1: We're studying the baptism of Christ this week on Abounding Grace. Join us here in Luke next. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we focus our attention on Luke chapter 3 today, we're reminded of the significance of this baptism, why Christ has to be baptized, and as we've mentioned before, the significance as well as the application. Here now with this edition of Abounding Grace is Pastor Gary Wagner.
0: One of the most fascinating things about the study of history is that events about which we know very little continue to shape and influence the history of mankind even thousands of years after they took place. For instance, do you know why we don't speak Arabic? Do you know why Arabic is not the language of the Western civilization? Because a little over a thousand years ago, Charles Martel beat the Moors at the Battle of Tours. Do you remember hearing about that in your history classes? Most of you probably not. And what you may remember is very little. Yet we don't speak Arabic, because Martel, the hammer, stopped the invasion of the Islamic hordes at the obscure Battle of Tours. So it is, With John's Jesus baptism. This obscure event, which only two verses are used to describe in the Gospel of Luke, is one of the most important events in the history of the world. And it continues to shape things to this very day. And there are four things about the baptism of Jesus that make it so important and so profound. The first is the actual water baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, which we have now been looking at for several weeks. The second thing you notice in our text is that when he was baptized in verse 21, heaven was opened. The third thing is when heaven was opened, this in verse 22, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And then the fourth thing that happened on that day, that the people heard with their own ears, was the voice from God out of heaven, which said to Jesus, Thou art my beloved Son, in Thee I am well pleased. Now having looked at his actual baptism by John the Baptist, I want us today to begin looking at these three other incidences so that we can truly appreciate that this is one of the most important events in all of the world throughout the history of mankind. And as we have seen, the more we understand the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we're going to understand Christ Himself, and the better we understand Christ and who He is and the nature of His work, the better we are going to understand what he taught and why he did the things he did. And then our lives are going to be better because of it. So let's look at those three things that Luke highlights in his gospel. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove and God actually spoke out of heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in Thee am I well pleased. First of all, Luke says, when Jesus was baptized, heaven was opened. While the gospel writer Mark, in his typical rapid-fire fashion, uses more vivid language when he says, heaven was rent asunder. As if the sky was torn apart and these people were actually allowed To look into the very throne room of God. Now this was neither the first nor the last time that this happened. The book of Ezekiel begins with words relating to the heavens opening up and seeing a vision of God. And then Ezekiel proceeds in his book with some of the greatest imagery. Some of the most fantastic figurative language ever used in literature to describe the vision of God that he saw when the the heavens were opened. Then several years after the heavens were opened at Jesus' baptism, we read about what happened at the death of the first martyr, Stephen, in Acts 7. When after preaching a powerful sermon that stirred the people to anger, they started stoning him to death. And then the scripture says, he gazed intensely into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So here in Stephen's martyred death, the heavens were opened up for him and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing On his right hand. You know, I've always loved and appreciated those last words Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Because what is Jesus normally doing at God's right hand? He's seated at God's right hand, but he stood to receive Stephen at his martyrdom as he entered into heaven. So, here and throughout Scripture, you have this tremendous, mysterious, powerful phrase that the heavens were opened. Now, at the baptism of Jesus, we're not told what people saw, but surely it was what Ezekiel saw the glory of God, visions of God. And can you imagine being able to have the privilege of standing there? And Not with the eyes of faith, but with the eyes of your mind and the eyes of your body. To be able to look right into heaven and see the throne room of God, the myriads of cherubim and seraphim, the angels, the glory, the brightness, the singing, the music. Imagine the privilege of being able to see God when the heavens were rent asunder at Jesus' baptism. And what was amazing about it is that the heavens had been closed for over 300 years. Heaven had been silent for over 300 years. God had not revealed himself to men because of Israel's increasing apostasy. The heavens were closed and now for the first time in centuries, the heavens were opened. God revealed himself. And this is all in response to the baptism of Jesus. So what was Jesus' baptism all about? It was His voluntary and complete consecration of Himself to be our Redeemer. It was His public inauguration into the priesthood. The one who would be the, our substitute, our representative. Who would take our sin upon Himself. The punishment We deserve doing everything that was necessary to save us from our sins. He publicly and self-consciously and voluntarily took the role upon himself at his baptism. Jesus Christ is God who has visited earth to open up a heaven for all who believe, so that all those who become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, he leads into the very presence of God himself. And this isn't just theological mumbo-jumbo, beloved. This is reality. This is true. This is the way life is. When we become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ leads us into the presence of God himself. And that's the point of the great message in Hebrews 10, where Jesus is said to be our pioneer, per se, the one who has opened up a new way and living into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. And as a pioneer, as Daniel Boone cut the way for others to follow through the wilderness. The Lord Jesus Christ, by His own death, cut the way for His followers to follow Him into the very presence of God. So it's not some little thing to take note. That when Jesus was baptized, it was the first time in over 300 years that the heavens were opened. And people were allowed to see into the very presence of God. Because that is why the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth. He came so that you and I might live in the presence of God throughout all eternity. Now, notice the second thing that happened at Christ's baptism. When the heavens were opened, the Holy Spirit descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did it in the physical form of a dove. Now, beloved, this is worthy of far more time than I plan on spending. The descent of the Holy Spirit on the Lord Jesus Christ. To say that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at His baptism is not to say that He wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit for His 30 years. It's not to say that He wasn't conceived by the Holy Spirit in His mother's womb, nor is it to say that He wasn't kept from sin by the Holy Spirit throughout all His life. All these things were true of the Holy Spirit and his relationship with Jesus. But now with his public inauguration in the office, the Holy Spirit comes upon him officially. He comes upon him to equip him with everything that he needs. All the power, all the wisdom, all the influence, all the spiritual gifts. He needs to carry out that which he came to earth to do, which was to save his people from their sins. So the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus in his mother's womb. The Holy Spirit kept Jesus from sinning throughout his entire life. And now the Holy Spirit comes upon him to equip him to be successful as our Savior. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you realize that there's nothing unusual or obscure about this. In the book of Judges, we are told that when God, was set, when God would set apart men as the judges of Israel, he would anoint them with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come upon them and he would clothe them with himself and he would give them all the power that they needed to be, small s, saviors of Israel. Another name for judges, beloved, is Savior or Deliverer. And these judges were not primarily civil magistrates, though they were that. They were not primarily liberators, though they were that. These judges were primarily spiritual saviors and deliverers of Israel from her sin by their prophetic preaching. And the reason they were so successful at delivering Israel from her apostasy and her oppression was because the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Whenever a king was put into office, he was anointed with oil. And the oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Prophets were anointed with oil. Priests were put into office by being anointed with oil, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And all of these symbolic gestures in the Old Testament teach us that without the Holy Spirit in a person's life, he cannot fulfill the role, the responsibility, the mission, the office, the task that God has given him to perform. Not even Jesus. Now that is the amazing thing. Jesus was a perfect man, absolutely sinless. And yet in his humanity, as a human being, not as God, Jesus could not fulfill the responsibilities God had called him to perform without the presence, the activity, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in his life. A rose cannot grow without light. And so it is with human nature. The human nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, as perfect and as sinless as it was, it was, nevertheless could not blossom and produce without the light and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if the Lord Jesus Christ needed the Holy Spirit in His life, in order to be a complete human being, in order to fulfill the role that God called him to fulfill in his life, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit with all of our sins and all of our imperfections and all of our inadequacies? If the Lord Jesus Christ needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need him? In our lives. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus to equip him to be everything the Messiah was called upon by God to be. And he came in the form of a dove. Now, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in the physical form of a dove. Why did he come in the form of a dove? Why not in the form of an eagle or a red tailed hawk or possibly even a pelican. I mean, why in the shape of a dove? Well, beloved, there have been a lot of guesses about this over time. And actually, that's about all they amount to. But let me give you a couple of views that are more commendable than the others. And even though these may not be, The truth about this passage, they are certainly true in themselves. Listen carefully. Some have believed that the reason the Holy Spirit was said to have come upon Jesus in the form of a dove was because this was a veiled allusion to Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. How does the Bible begin? It begins with the creation of the world. God the Father speaks His word and the universe is created out of nothing. And the Holy Spirit, like a dove or like a bird, hovers over the waters, and light and order and life are produced. The Holy Spirit brooding over the waters as a dove is what gave to this creation in the first place what it had to have, that it could not create itself. Life, order, and light And perhaps the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus as a dove is an allusion to the fact that this is a new creation to bring out the cosmic effects of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That this man would come and live a life and carry out a ministry that would not be confined to a certain age or a certain geographical location or a certain race of people. It would have a cosmic effect throughout the entire created order. This is a new creation. And just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters as a dove in the beginning to give light and order and life to the whole creation. So the Holy Spirit of God brings life and order and light into our chaos, our darkness and our deadness. Sounds pretty good, right? But we have no idea if that's true. Then there's another interpretation of why the Holy Spirit appeared as a dove. And that is according to many of the rabbis in Jesus' day. They say that the dove was a symbol of Israel. It was a symbol of God's covenant people. And maybe that's what Luke had in mind here because what have we seen from him so far? We have seen that by coming into the wilderness, Jesus proves himself to be the perfect Israelite. The one true perfect representative of the covenant people of God. That he in himself is the elect of God. Ethnic Israel, genetic Israel had apostatized from the faith by the time of the birth of Christ. And now he, he alone stands as the new Israel the representative of the elect of God that shall be drawn out of all nations and all tongues and all races and all ethnic groups. He is now the representative of the covenant people of God. He, in a unique way, represents a new race of people created by the Holy Spirit. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ came to do. He came to start a new race of people taken out of all the races of the world. And in this new race of people, we would no longer be fragmented and divided by all the things that presently divide us. We would be marked by love and by righteousness, by likeness, And it is the Holy Spirit sent by Christ that recreates us. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So maybe with the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove, and the dove symbolizing the people of God, we have here a reference to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is a representative of a new race of people, that covenant community that the Holy Spirit of God himself would create. I don't know, but it certainly is a good guess. Then there's another interpretation of the Holy Spirit coming upon Christ like a dove, and this happens to be from Martin Luther. He says the reason the Holy Spirit came upon Christ like a dove was to emphasize the Spirit's friendliness, that the Holy Spirit of God is friendly with man. He's no longer angry with us. He's he's ready to save us. He's ready to transform our lives. He is reconciled to us. So just as you think of a dove as a, a gentle creature, the Holy Spirit of God is friendly. God himself is reconciling God, is a reconciling God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do. Then there are people who have said, Just as a white dove symbolizes purity and meekness, so perhaps the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove symbolizes the purity, the perfection, the unblemished character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I don't know. To me, they all seem pretty good. But you make your choice. You pick one for yourself. And perhaps maybe you even have a better interpretation. But here is the real question. Why did the Holy Spirit of God come upon Jesus in physical form at all? Why didn't the Holy Spirit just come upon Him? When the Holy Spirit came upon you and I and made a new creation out of us, He didn't come to us in the form of a dove. There was no physical form, no physical sign of His coming upon you. So why is it that there was any physical form or appearance of the Holy Spirit at all? Jesus saw the physical form of the Holy Spirit as a dove. John the Baptist saw this physical form. So did many other people. So what was the purpose? Well, the purpose was the same as the opened heavens and the divine voice. Why were the heavens physically opened at Jesus' baptism? Why was there an actual audible voice from God that spoke at Jesus' baptism? Why did the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus in a physical form? And the reason is actually very simple and fairly obvious. And that is, human senses must perceive what is happening here. None of this is for the sake of God. All of this is for the sake of man, and this is real. What is the point of the Book of Luke, if you can remember? Luke has conveyed us that the gospel is real; it is rooted in history. This is not a figment of someone's imagination. People who were there at Jesus' baptism saw the heavens opened. They actually heard with their literal ears a voice. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon Jesus, they saw this physical image of a dove upon Him. Human senses had to perceive what was happening here so they would know this was not a fairy tale.
1: Midweek services, 7.15 Wednesday evenings, again, at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Again, directions and information can be found at 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.